Hello and welcome to them Aspergers. Uh, yeah. Why is that funny? <laughs> because you didn't want to say welcome to them Aspergers. I did. Did I say so? Anyway? I said why don't you say hello and you did both. <laughs> did I say welcome as well? Yeah. Ah. Oh, uh, so on our um, Facebook page, if somebody wants to post what I should start these podcasts with, that would be great. Uh, I'm still not 100% happy with the way I start these. And I know I start them because you end them. But uh, I still don't like so or welcome or hello or that kind of thing. But I don't want to start like going to other people's podcasts and seeing how they start them. Because I like the natural conversationary like way of this. And Yes. But then I still want like a routine starting thing. It's complicated. I'll just do what I do each week. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's... It's, uh, it's this episode, it's another episode, it's the next episode. Stop that. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're going to do things, I suppose, in the old format. So do you remember when we first started these? You actually, before we even even ever started these, so before we did the first episode, um, you said that you wanted to just start recording interviews with me. Yes. That was the original concept of this, is that yeah. you just wanted to do interviews with me. We talked loads. Can I remember when we first met and I said that you had Asperger's? Um, we had conversations in general about my Asperger's and yeah. you found the whole thing like interesting in general. So this was supposed to be like your interviews with me. And I'm pretty sure the only time that's actually happened is the first episode, which is the getting diagnosed is the one we've done first, even though I think they're listed on Spotify, Anchor, that kind of thing, as... Um, they don't put that. They put that as the third episode for some reason. It shows it as ah. the third one. I, I can't remember what the first one is. And then it's like relationships, then getting diagnosed. Um, but getting diagnosed is the first one. And it's the only one where the questions, where it was like an interview thing where you just interviewed me about Asperger's. And then since then, um, it's obviously just moved into just conversations about the two of us, which I prefer. I'm not saying that we should just do interviews with me every week. But uh, yeah, it's just something I was thinking about. How it originated. But anyway, um, yes. you picked the topics. You picked yeah. the topics for the first few. Yes. Uh, and then you got really bad at that. So yes. I started picking the topics. It's like you ran out of stuff. However. I didn't run out. We just started doing the episodes like first thing in the morning. Right. And it all got a bit much for me. Yeah, but you have, a, you have a, like a whole week to think of the thing you want to talk about next. Yes. So we don't have to decide in the morning. <laughs> yes. You just don't, like, when I do it, like, I think about it throughout the week or things that come up, people that talk in the Facebook group or on the page or message us, they're the people that I get some of my ideas from or just stuff that's happened throughout the week. Like, what was it last week that we talked about? Um, it uh, was the, uh, I can't remember. Oh, well, wasn't it, would we or wouldn't we have Asperger's? Yeah, 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 and that was just based on a Facebook post. True. Uh and yeah, the one before that was about being selfish, um, which is something that came up in the one before that. So yeah, it's like that. However, however, that is a bit of a tangent. This week, we're going back to the old formula of Scarlet picks a topic. Yes. And you've picked a topic. Yes. And however, okay. I quickly want to make a point yeah. before we go into the topic of a message we had from uh, a woman about... Uh, referring to people as normal or referring to NT people as normal uh, too much. I just thought it was a point just to say we do do that sometimes 
uh, by accident. And it's not really, uh, well, not by accident, but just like off the cuff without really thinking. And it doesn't, I don't just, I don't want anyone to be like offended or feel like we're saying that you're not normal if you're not NT. Um, it's just, I think, where you've, you get so used to... Wait, what? What? You're not normal if you're not NT? Yeah. I think I misunderstood the whole thing. I read uh, the message as you can't call people that are NT normal because nobody's normal. Yeah. Um, whereas it sounds like what you're saying is what I was doing was referring to people as normal and that's the the better thing than calling someone on the spectrum something because that's not normal. I, now I've got no idea what you're saying. Well, also, like, I, mean, like, like, I think like, it was it was both of us. It wasn't just you. No, I mean, like, um, people with Asperger's are normal. Yeah. Like, that is, that's, that's like, there's nothing like, do you know what I mean? And I'm referring to it as, I don't know, you've confused me. Like, I, I feel like I, I knew what I was why. talking about, but you started that way. I don't know why. Uh, well, I, I just wanted to say, like, sorry if you were offended or, like, if we do say things that, like, are don't sound, like, quite... you Or they don't sit well with you, I'm, I'm sorry. It's more because, like, we just do this as, like, a casual chat and sometimes we don't always think about, um, like, saying things correctly. I don't know. It sounds like you're just worrying too much. Oh. I don't think it matters. Oh. Well, then. Let's get on with the episode. (laughs) (laughs) The person that sent the message, I replied to them. They explained what they meant. And it just turns out that it wasn't an offense thing. Uh, Uh, It was just, it was confusing what I meant because I was referring to normal and NT. Like they were interchangeable. Yeah. Like which, which was which, like, like there might be two separate things. Yeah. Um, But just to clarify, uh, I say normal and NT and they're both the same thing to me. It's just, I referred to people as normal as a way to differentiate those that weren't on the spectrum. So I would say this person's an Aspie or this person has or Asperger's or this person's autistic. Um, and then for those that didn't have that, I would refer to them as normal because I didn't know another word that would replace it. Um, but then I went into therapy. The therapist started referring to people as uh, neurotypical um and then i realized that that's the word i'm looking for neurotypical obviously just means someone that's not autistic bipolar or any of the other um the other ones you know the other like obviously i don't know what to call them i hate using like words like disorders or disabilities but the things that aren't nt neurotypical is just yeah neurotypical yeah so she gave me that word and i've slowly started swapping it out for normal But I said normal so much that it's just a word that I use. But really, like, I'm getting better at saying NT. Um, it is picking up. But yeah. uh, it's still hard, especially when we're having, like, a conversation like we're having. Because I have to think NT before I say NT. Yeah. And obviously, when the conversation's, like, going normal, uh, sometimes I just haven't got time to stop and think and yeah. say NT. When So, basically, I, they mean the same thing. But I don't mean normal as in everybody's normal, boring, no one's got problems unless you've got a name for it. Yeah, and also it doesn't mean you're not normal. If for, you're on the spectrum, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, it's just, it's a weird thing. But, yeah, just, uh, yeah, it's a good idea to clean that up. It's just, uh, you started that, and I think I just misinterpreted what you meant. But, yeah, cool. so what is the topic then? So, we're going to talk about um, when you got diagnosed. Yeah. 
what you've learned from it. We talked about it a little bit during your getting diagnosed episode. Mm. Uh, but I think if we just go into a bit more detail about like what you've learned specifically the sort of after getting diagnosed, what sort of therapy you went through, did it help? Did it not? What's changed since? How you deal with things better? That sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, cause obviously <laughs> getting diagnosed isn't essential. Uh, we've no. had a few people in the past comment on the podcast saying that they aren't diagnosed, um, but they know they're on the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and some people, I think there was that one person ages ago that spoke to you and said that you don't need a diagnosis. So don't feel like you have to get one, yeah. um, which is also true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like this isn't so much about getting diagnosed and like what you learn from getting diagnosed. This is more about, the therapy you've had. Yeah, I know. But the, uh, the thing is, is you, you, I don't know if you can get like Asperger specific therapy without, without a diagnosis. True, yeah. I mean, because you've discovered that yourself recently with the stuff that's going on with you with uni. They won't true. give you uh, the special requirements you need for like exams and yeah. bits at uni and that kind of thing. And they told you without a diagnosis, you'll get nothing. So yeah. um, the therapies and stuff that I've experienced were because I got diagnosed. Yeah. But it's not like I am saying to everybody that listening to this that's not diagnosed but knows they're autistic that you have to get a diagnosis or it's not as valid as my Asperger's or you'll never understand yourself properly or you, you know, will never get the real help you need without a diagnosis. Everybody deals with it different. Everybody's Asperger's is different. So that kind of thing. And even though I'm diagnosed and you're looking to get diagnosed not long now, actually, in a couple of months before you start your diagnosis process. Hopefully, yeah. and it'll be good that when that starts, if we can do some episodes about what they're doing, what's going on. Yes. Just so people that are out there looking to get diagnosed, but don't know how it goes about. Um, like if you listen to the guy getting diagnosed episode, I explain how I started the ball rolling on that. And your experience on getting that started is the same way as me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I got diagnosed mainly because I needed to understand it and once you get diagnosed it does help because once I got diagnosed I had one-on-one therapy with the woman that diagnosed me and she she went through like my diagnosis first so she looked at the points that came up in my diagnosis and your diagnosis for anyone that's had one is it's quite a long document I suppose mine's like 15 pages it goes over every test they did every question they asked like outcomes that kind of thing So the first thing they do is they go over that and explain to you why that has made them come to the conclusion that you're on the spectrum. Yes. So they point out the things you've done in your past as a way to sort of um, map out your autism. Because obviously I say it every week, but everybody that's on the spectrum is different. Everybody that has Asperger's has it differently. So there's no like blanket. um, There's no blanket. You know, like if somebody has like, a disease or you know breaks a part of their body and they go this is this and this is how this works and the physio similar and like that kind of thing it's different with Asperger's everybody's different so the therapy has to be different so I'm not saying what I had would work for everybody but you know she went to the diagnosis she explained to me things about my past she you know when they put the thoughts in your head You then spend a lot of your time thinking about loads of stuff that you did in the past and think, ah, that makes sense now, or this is that. I did weird things uh, where I got diagnosed 
And then like previous relationships I'd been in um, to like exes and that kind of thing. I did the thing of messaging people that I haven't spoken to in ages and telling them I had Asperger's because in some situations and previous relationships that I'd broken up of, I ended it in a way that wasn't nice for them um, because of essentially because of my Asperger's. Like uh, one of my ex-girlfriends I was with before I moved to where I am now. And when I moved here, all my routines changed. And she was like a big part of my routines where I was, where I lived before. Um, And then I came here and all my routines changed. And because of that, she kind of disappeared from like my thought processes. And she kind of like stopped existing in my own like, do you know what I mean? Mind. Um, And so it just ended because I wasn't ringing her. I said I'd come back to see her quite a lot. I didn't because it was hard for me to leave where I am now. Like I said, I I don't go home and see my family a lot. And it's not because I don't want to see them or because I hate going back. It's just hard to break away from your day-to-day routine, you know. So I didn't go home as often as I said I would. I wouldn't ring her. And when she did come here to see me, I found it hard to interact with her because I was unfamiliar with her in my new environment, you know. Like I knew her in the old ways that I knew her. And to try and in like sort of introduce her to the new life I had it was hard I couldn't do it so um how that looks when you're not diagnosed is I just didn't care you know I'd moved I'd come to uni I'd got a new life I was done with her um and that's what I thought had happened as well like Jeremy and I told her before I came here that wouldn't happen and I'm not like that but it did and it wasn't till after I got a diagnosis and bearing in mind that happened at the start of me being at uni and I didn't get diagnosed until sort of the year after I graduated. So we're talking like four years later, I was diagnosed and I sent her a message like on Facebook or whatever, explaining what I did. Um, You know? Yeah. And I, it kind of made sense to me because at the time I didn't understand what the big deal was or why it was so like upsetting and why everyone took it badly, what I did. Uh, And there was a couple of people I'd done something similar to. Uh, so like I felt the need to message them but like that didn't do anything for me but I did feel the need to explain it to them but I feel like I was trying to explain my actions because at the time when it happened you know what I mean like they were saying things about me do you know what I mean like having a go at me shouting at me telling me what I'd done was wrong and I just didn't understand what the big issue was or what the problem was or what I'd done which when you think about it like if no one knows it just sounds like you're being like unfeeling or not interested uh so it just made sense so the first thing i did was fill in the blanks or fill out weird behavior at times where people had had a go at me about something i was doing and i spent all my time thinking why is that wrong uh i now had an understanding of why so that made sense i got like a load of clarity to stuff but i guess those that aren't diagnosed and don't want a diagnosis have just worked that out themselves, I guess. But I didn't know what I was looking for. Like, I didn't know what Asperger's was up until someone was telling me I had Asperger's. I didn't understand it at all. So it was different for me. I could fill in the blanks. Uh, So I kind of did that first. And I know with you, since I've told you, like, um, I suppose it's better because I, I had the therapy, so I understand it. So I think I've been able to help you a lot with things you were unsure of or didn't understand about yourself as well that seemed to be uh yeah making sense to you now so what was the therapy you had because you've just mentioned like who you spoke to but well the therapy was like i said it was just it was like normal therapy so it was like one-on-one 
therapy. So the first thing they did is they did the diagnosis. And like I said, we went through my diagnosis yeah. and she explained why each thing in there was a uh, trigger for her to say, this is definitely a diagnosis for you. Um, and then she pointed out things I did. So like my blending in and um, my ability to not appear autistic at all. Uh, it's still something I can always do. No, I don't think anyone's ever been able to guess that I was autistic. I literally don't think anybody's ever been able to have a conversation with me, talk to me, uh, be around me for any length of time and think autistic. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm like really good at hiding it. No one ever knows with me unless I tell them. Um, so she explained to me why she said it was hard to diagnose me initially because of that. But she said that that was like a, a thin layer. And once you got through that, it was obvious with me. Um, and you just know that by asking the right questions. Uh, so she explained to me then why I do it, like why I do the hiding it thing. Um, and it was just that she just kind of broke down everything about myself. And that went on for about a year. So I went to her once a week for 45 minutes for a year where we just had conversations about my Asperger's, um, how it was. She talked about like goals. She asked me what I wanted from a diagnosis. Uh, and for me, the things I wanted from a diagnosis, she had to spend time explaining to me that I'll never get the things I actually wanted. So the things I wanted for a diagnosis were unachievable, but I went at them thinking that's what a diagnosis would get me. So we had to try and convince me that that was something I didn't want. And obviously the things I wanted was I wanted like, um, I wanted to be NT. That's what I thought a diagnosis would get me. Yeah. That's what I was aiming for. So I was looking to get diagnosed so I could be neurotypical. Um, I just figured, you know, like you watch on telly or in movies, um, people go into therapy. They have like this deep rooted problem that they don't understand. The therapist talks to them for end on end and then they find that problem and they go, this is why you do this. It's all down to this one thing that happened to you as a child. And then they go, oh, thanks, doctor. That all makes sense. And their whole life changes and they go back to enjoying things. I thought that would happen. So obviously, initially, I went into therapy to see, I saw a behavioral therapist to start off with, I think. And this was before I was diagnosed and she's the one that said Asperger's. But I went to her just so I could like enjoy things and have like normal emotions and, um, you know, not hate interacting with people yeah, um, and not seek being on my own all the time. And I wanted to find what my calling in life was. And I figured there was something like that had happened to me as a child or some deep rooted problem that was holding me back from all this stuff. So when she said Asperger's, I, I kind of got it, but I didn't get what she was saying. She just went, you've got Asperger's. So I thought what would happen then is, I'd get a diagnosis and they'd give me medication or they'd like, do you know what I mean? Cure you. Give me something, yeah, that would sort it. So um, I got diagnosed because I thought of that reason. So then my therapy became her explaining to me that that will never happen and me spending all my time. And each week at the end of each session, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I understand. I'll be okay with that. And then next week I'd be like, no, 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 no. I can still do this. Like, do you know what I mean? And she was trying to get me to to forget it. And like we mentioned in the black and white thinking episode, I said that um, once I'd made my mind up that I could do these things, I just need to figure out the way to do them. Um, it was hard for me not to keep pursuing that. Um, so she was trying to teach me to forget that behavior and accept that I am what I am. And this is just how it is. And to not look for things I can't get and just under things I can get. So my therapy took ages. 
because of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, they put me on, like I said, antidepressants. And I know there's lots of people out there that are on the spectrum and take medication for it. Like I was on, I think, sertraline and fluoxetine uh, were the two they gave me, which they told me were antidepressants, but apparently they're good for people on the spectrum. They have properties that are meant for uh, people that are depressed, but they also have other things in them that are good for those on the spectrum. Um, apparently it works for both. In what way are they good for people on the spectrum? Um, I think they're they good do? at like lower, lowering like anxiety levels. Um okay. Or like when you're stressed and like that kind of thing, apparently it brings that stuff down. So initially when they said they wanted me to take antidepressants, I thought it's because they thought I was depressed. And I kept telling them I wasn't and they kept trying to explain to me that they're not for that. Um, they're for something else. Yeah. So yeah, they put me on the, the medication, which I didn't want to go on at first. But um, they explained to me that it was going to be okay because there's a lot of change happening and a lot of like, things were about to alter in my life with a diagnosis and that so they uh yeah they decided that it was okay at the time did it help you at all uh i didn't feel any different to be honest i felt the same but they told me that i wouldn't i would have been a lot worse and things wouldn't have been the same so i felt the same all the way through it but apparently that was the desired effect i so, thought so what they thought that because you were going through changes you had would have been worse um yeah so they think my anxiety my meltdowns and that kind of thing bear in mind at the time i was still having like meltdowns weekly um due to it and i'd had meltdowns before in the past um and as i've mentioned before i think we did an episode on meltdowns i have more angry meltdowns than the traditional crying normal meltdowns yeah uh, i tend to have the ragey ones more so they, they were definitely more frequent um and before diagnosis, I just had them, but I just thought they were like temper tantrums or How I was... How often was that, sorry? What, previous but, diagnosis? Yeah. Not that often. Um, no. They'd happen like, I would say, once every month, once every other month. Yeah. Um, whereas during my time after getting diagnosed, I was definitely having them weekly. Yeah. Um, but they reckoned that if I hadn't have been on the tablets as well, they'd have been a lot worse. Um. And obviously now, the last time I had a meltdown was probably over a year and a half ago now since I've had one. That was the last time I've actually had one. And I can't even remember. I think it was in Christmas time last year. Yeah, actually, yeah. So no, not a year and a half ago. Well, no, I've had, the last time I had an angry one was a year oh, and a half okay, ago. Oh, okay, yeah. A normal one, yeah. It was about Christmas last year. Um, but I always get one at Christmas because it's Christmas. Christmas is hideous. Yeah. Um... And yeah, it was just stuff like that. So then she just went through situations. So once we'd got through the whole me accepting that I won't experience the things that I was hoping therapy would help me experience, she then just went through like my future. And now that I know how I can make adjustments to my own life so that things are easier. Yeah. And I think that's why my meltdowns have calmed down. And I think like that's kind of thing. And, you know, her explaining to me why... NT people like to socialize, they like to go out, they like to do things and explain to me why I don't. And in the past, when people asked me to go out, I knew it was something I'd have to do. And because of like my need to blend in and appear normal, I'd force myself into these situations where I'd go out and do stuff when I really didn't want to go out and do stuff. Uh, and she explained to me that it was OK for me not to and I don't have to. Um, yeah. And accepting that I wasn't neurotypical and accepting that I don't need to be neurotypical and explain to me that I have to just let my like autistic traits and behaviors 
come out from time to time in public, um, which if I'm honest, I still don't do that. Yeah. Um, and I know it does have an effect on me that I don't do it. Like as much as I seem together and stuff when we're out, you know, when I'm not, when I'm at home, it presents itself in other things like the me constantly wanting to check my front door or, yeah. you know, my obsessionally like obsession thoughts with stuff over and over again. And, uh, do you know what I mean? Like I know that if I was just at the times when things happen in public where I should just be a bit autistic, it would be easier for me when I was on my own. Yeah. Um, but it's still hard for me to shake that. And I can't go back into therapy. Like I have rinsed the adult Asperger service here like of every aspect of it like they they said that i'll always be on their books and i'm always like a member of them and they're aware of me but there's nothing they can do for me like i i have a social worker but like i don't see her that often because it's they kind of don't feel like there's anything else they can do with me now i'm pretty much there um but there's still loads of stuff that i need to sort out since i was diagnosed and i think an ability to not have to hide my traits constantly and just be okay with being like autistic in public uh it's still one major thing that i struggle with um you know yeah um i think i think you're right like you don't have meltdowns very often though at all and you do seem to deal with things well like i get that your autistic traits come out when you're at home like i see it with you but i don't I think I don't think they come out negatively. I think that's just you have some autistic traits that come out. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean it, it kind of makes sense for certain stuff. So you've probably noticed it yourself. Um where I get frustrated with people that are being emotional for no reason. Yeah. Um like it happened recently with me and you. Uh yeah. the other morning when you were freaking out about having to be somewhere and having somebody in your flat to do stuff. Yeah. You were like visibly upset about it and I would say I was rude about it. <laughs> um I kind of just <laughs> told you to get a grip and stop being a baby. Yeah. Um and I do that. I do that when people start getting emotional. But I think it works fine with me because when you do it with me, I do just get a grip and stop being emotional. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> it's it's one of my traits. And the thing is is before diagnosis, if I did that, I just look like I mean, do you know what I mean? Like we, uh, we don't really like swear on the podcast, but like, and I'm I'm not about to either. But like, I I can't think of a word of what that makes me appear like without saying it. Be- yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um. Whereas I th- I think if you know I'm on the spectrum, the reason I did it was for like two reasons, and this is the difference. In the past, before diagnosis, I would do stuff like that and just think, was I mean? Whatever, I don't care. But now when I do it, I know I did it for two reasons. When I said it, to you. I did it to you one. Because I figured if I was just straight and told you how it is that you'd pull yourself together, which you did. Yeah. But equally, what you were doing was annoying me. Yeah, um, And like, I don't like it when I get annoyed. And for some reason, like my initial reaction to anyone that annoys me, even if they're like coming to me with something they're upset about, is I'm immediately mean um, yeah. and say horrible stuff. And I try not to do it. But I have no control over it. It just happens. I yeah. tend to say the stuff I'm thinking before I realise I've said it. And yeah. you got a message from me like about 10 minutes later where I was like, sorry. Um, I didn't care though. I think like the difference is with me, like I don't really mind things like that. Like to me, that helps me snap out of it. Because if I hear you say it, then I think about 
if it was the other way around, I'd be thinking the same thing as you of like, get a grip. So then as soon as you say it, I just think, yeah, get a grip, Scarlett. Yeah. And then I'm fine. But like to the rest of the world, um, especially because I'm someone that hides my traits, um, it just looks like I'm horrible. Um, And it would be weird for me then to go, sorry, I've got Asperger's. I sometimes don't realise what I've just done. (laughs) Um, But it's because I get this like overwhelming urge of, it's almost anger when people do stuff that annoys me. When I get annoyed, I get angry. And when I get angry, I just say stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm not, like, violent or anything like that, but I do say some horrible things to people. And it's it's not, like, Tourette's, but it's it's a similar style. Like, it's left my mouth before I've had any time to think about what I've just said. Um, and it's usually after that I'm like, oh. Um, but equally, once I've got diagnosed, in the past, I just think, why am I so horrible to people? But since I was diagnosed, I just sort of go, I can't help it. And the therapy was to understand that I can't help it. Yeah. And that's the thing that I suppose NT people don't get is with Asperger's, it's it's annoying sometimes when you're self-aware. So those that are diagnosed and those that aren't but understand their Asperger's, it's annoying to be self-aware and to know what you're going to do yeah. and to know why you're going to do it and to think I don't want to do it but do it anyway like that's the thing that's weird about it is you're not in control of what you do but you know you do it and try and explain that to a neurotypical person um by the way I am fully aware of why I do everything and I know the things I don't want to do and it doesn't matter how many times I tell myself not to do it and it doesn't how many times I convince myself I'm definitely not going to do it you'll just do it because it's it's what you do and it's you've got no real control over it and this is kind of what the therapy was, was to explain to me there's no control of it, but you need to be okay with it because you need to understand that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that was like what that was like one of the first things of therapy. And there was loads of stuff I learned from being diagnosed that I didn't realise. Like I learned about my dyspraxia, which I didn't yeah. even know was a thing. I'd never even heard what that was. But then I went into sensory therapy after the talking therapy. And that involved going to like a sensory room in a special school. So it was a special school near where they diagnosed and it was a school obviously meant for children, but it was a sensory room. So there was just, it was full of like lights and like sound stuff and like textured stuff. And like, uh, there was like these weird hammocks on the ceiling that you'd sit in. And she had me like sit in this hammock and she spanned me around in the hammock um, and had me try and throw bean bags into a bucket while it was spinning around to figure out my dyspraxia and that kind of thing. And she came around my house and just watched me do normal stuff around the flat. She just said, just start your morning like you would normally and watch. And she just watched me like make a cup of tea and like do that kind of thing. She then watched me go up and down stairs and she noticed that I can't go up and down stairs without looking at my own feet. Um, she said, do you have to look at your feet the whole time you're going up and down stairs? I was like, yeah, I can't. She tried to give me like um, a thing to carry. So I couldn't see my own feet and I nearly fell down the stairs. Like she was there to make sure I wouldn't fall. But she said, now don't look at your feet and do it. And I couldn't. So she gave me something to carry so I couldn't look at my feet and I nearly went down the stairs. And she spent like a few sessions with me going over stuff. We tried those spiky balls that I've got for you. Like she tried the the thing I called the womb that you wear. Um, I've got a bear hug vest, which I've lent to you at the moment, which is like a deep pressure therapy and she realized all that and the dyspraxia and that kind of thing. Um, and then she also learned that I was dyslexic as well at the same time. We went over the, my things to different types of light. So she did blue filters, yellow filters, 
on like writing and that kind of thing and she got me to read stuff out she got me to write stuff down and she realized that like i had dyslexia at the same time uh, i never bothered with a proper diagnosis for dyslexia though because i'm not in any situation now where i need that but i guess yeah. if i ever went back to college you need that kind of thing I'd probably get that formally done. But she said there's that there. And she said something about like attention deficit disorder, but she said it was quite mild in me. So it didn't matter too much. Yeah. Um. So there was all this kind of stuff that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. I just thought Asperger's. Asperger's is a form of autism. This is what it is. But then I found all these other things that come with it. Well, yeah, I like one thing we won't go into it now, but one thing that I found really interesting is while sort of looking up, um, Asperger's, it seems that a lot of people that have Asperger's do have secondary, I don't know if secondary is the right word, but other... Um, yeah, what, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, uh, I don't I don't know what the right word is here. Not disorders again, but like I want to say additional. Like, yeah, like additional <laughs> things yeah. that um, I don't think are completely separate. I think they're linked to having Asperger's, but they're also... Like, they're, they're a part of it, but they're a different thing. So like you say with your dyspraxia and dyslexia... I know for a lot of people it's common and I don't know whether it's misdiagnosed originally or not, but I know a lot of people I've seen, uh, particularly in females, it seems, uh, get diagnosed with like depression, bipolar, um, OCD, um, men as well. um, But what you say as well, like ADD and ADHD. And I don't know if for some people they were diagnosed with like depression and then were diagnosed with Asperger's in a way of it might have been Asperger's not depression with some people I know it's like coincides and they're together uh and with some people I think it's more just like a almost like a branch of your Asperger's involves that but yeah I've definitely is it because it's one of the things that I noticed about myself like when I was growing up I got told that I like was a sociopath or could be a sociopath ex-boyfriends thought I had bipolar um and i had someone that thought that i had add although i i these are all things that i don't think i have it's just uh yeah it's just interesting about the different stems yeah i mean there's loads of people i mean it's for you like you said mainly females that i've seen like on groups that have said they were originally diagnosed or misdiagnosed with bipolar or yeah other stuff and then when they got asperger's they didn't go it's asperger's and bipolar they went oh actually it's just asperger's but things like dyslexia, dyspraxia, um, OCD, uh, those kind of things, they come with it. Yeah. Um, and I think they are they are quite common with those. So, yeah, there was all that kind of stuff. And then that made sense because when they said the dyslexia thing, I remember all my work at uni being weird. I remember missing words out of sentences where I'd read the same thing over and over again and be like, why does this? Why is this wrong? And then someone would go, "There's no word here." And I'd think a sentence as I was writing it, but because I thought it, I thought I'd written it, and it yeah. turns out I've missed like three or four words at the same sentence. I'd always move the words around to different places. Like I meant to put is, but I put is like after the word it meant to go in front of and behind, and yeah. didn't notice. But I'm still reading it the same every time, and I read it like four or five times and still can't notice it. And then I'd get someone else to proofread it for me, and they're there like typing different bits into it deleting stuff out going this sentence should be here this paragraph shouldn't be where it is and i'd be like oh okay um and same with the attention deficit stuff like like i've said i can't read i can't read long bits of writing it's like all the it's like all the people that are talking in our facebook group at the moment the people that have put the long replies i can't read them 
I've tried. I tried to remember I said in the last episode that I was going to read through them. Yeah. I gave it a good crack yesterday um, or Wednesday. I can't remember now. But like I find I was struggling. I was struggling to read them, especially because like on Facebook, they put them into one big block of like text in that bubble. Yeah. It I was mean, really hard. But then I got you to just read, read them, them and yeah. then tell me what everyone's talking about. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, tell them to say this. Like I'll write this response. Yeah. So I do understand what people are saying. It's just I have issues reading it myself. Um. But before diagnosis, I believed that the reason that I couldn't read stuff is because I don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was reading something that uh, I wasn't interested in or I was reading something that I'm not bothered about. So I that's why I can't focus. But then I tried reading like horror books uh, and obviously I'm really into like horror stuff and like yeah. that kind of thing. And I still had the same problem. So I was like, what is this? Why do I start thinking about other stuff or why do I start doing other things? Um and yeah, it's it's all related to this one thing. So like getting a diagnosis for me was just nice to have some clarity. Um, yeah. It also, like I said, I use it as a form of protection from other things. So when I do stuff that might get me into trouble or make people question stuff, I then go like, this is like um, a form of autism. So I'm sorry that I'm being the way I'm being. Um, yeah. But I suppose if you're not diagnosed... Um, but no, you are. You can still do that without a diagnosis. It's not like I have to carry my diagnosis around with me and uh, get it out when I've said to people I'm on the spectrum. So like it's even with you now. I know you don't want to because you're not diagnosed yet. But like I wouldn't see any problems in you saying to people um, it's because I'm a burger. So uh, like my ex, she knows you are. Um, she has, you and her went to a thing on Wednesday together. Yeah. Uh, and she knew that you wouldn't be able to go into the building first. So like, and all that kind of stuff. And she did all the introductions, talked to everybody for you and got you in there uncomfortable. Yeah, that's Because true. she knew me for ages uh, and she knows you're on the spectrum. So she fully went in there and did everything for you. Uh, yeah. And like, how much easier was that once people know? That is great. Yeah. And you're not diagnosed. So yeah. like, it's not like you need the diagnosis to do that kind of stuff. But she got you through that day because I was supposed to come with you to this thing and we'd go together and it would be easier. But like, I couldn't make it because I was hanging around your flat waiting for your electrician to turn up. Yeah. So I had to stay here because you were freaking out about having to be somewhere and having to stay here. So I stayed here. But because she was there, she she understood. She knew she uh, got it all sorted for you. Yeah. And like, that's one of the benefits, I guess, of knowing either yeah. like officially or not yeah that's true yeah because like there was times during that uh that i kind of wanted to make a comment to the person um but i just wasn't talking to people yeah <laughs> like the whole day and i kind of wanted to make a comment of like i'm sorry i'm not talking yeah or, like i'm sorry i don't talk like but you can't say that because that sounds really silly but everyone else that was around me was chatting away and i was just kind of the silent one yeah i mean it's like um so it's like when i get my hair cut yeah so i get like my hair cut once a month um like routinely like it's the same day every month yeah. um but my barber knows i'm autistic he knew before i went and got my first haircut yeah um and he understands he well i say he understands he does understand he uh he knows what it is uh my ex told him yeah how it works and getting your haircut's a nightmare because it's one of those things where you know you've got to talk 
to the barber and you know you've got to sit there and talk to them while you're having your hair cut and uh it's yeah it's not great like when you're not do you know what I mean? Like, it's not great when you're sat there not talking and they're trying to talk to you. But for them, it's like trying to get blood out of a stone yeah. because you're only really giving like one word answers and you don't know what to talk about. Uh, and it's hard to start a conversation with someone while you're getting your hair cut. And like, especially if you're sat there getting your hair cut and there's other people in the other chairs getting the hair cut and they're talking about everything. They're having like long conversations and that kind of thing. And you're just sat there in silence. Yeah. Um, but because my barber knows... Um, I can happily sit there in silence and he doesn't think there's anything weird about it. Yeah. He doesn't think like, oh God, like this guy again, you know? And I used to think that before I was diagnosed. I'd just be like, does this person like cutting my hair? Or do they just think, oh, it's this guy, this guy that never talks. We've just got to sit there in silence for the next half an hour while he's not talking. Yeah. And I try and have conversations with him, but it's a nightmare. Whereas with my current barber, like he totally gets it. Sometimes I chat. I've been getting my hair cut with him for... I think about two years now. Two years every month. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we know yeah. each other. Um, so sometimes we'll talk all the way through it. And sometimes we don't. But he, he gets it. And I think that's that's a benefit. Whereas before that, I'd freak out. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd kind of be like, oh, should I be talking? What should we talk about? Yeah. But I couldn't start a conversation. So I wouldn't be... In my head, I'd be like, quick, ask them how their day's been. Or um, maybe we should talk about this. And I'd do that thing where, you know, you open your mouth and go... And then you yeah. just carry on like being quiet. I do yeah. that a lot during like the whole haircut thing. And I just felt it really uncomfortable and weird. But my current barber knows. So now when I don't say anything for the whole thing, I don't come out of there thinking, oh God, like I didn't talk. That was horrible. I just think like, doesn't matter. He knows. Yeah, I think I think that's like a thing that would be better. Because yeah, with this thing, it was like four or five hours. And like say, I didn't really talk at all. And um I, I just felt like the need to address it. I didn't, but I felt like I should, especially because other people that were there that were going to be sat there for like four or five hours had like music in or like they were doing stuff. Whereas I just prefer to have nothing. So I had like no music. I wasn't reading. I wasn't on my phone. I was just sat there kind of just looking around at the walls and listening to what other people were saying and just thinking in my head. And I wasn't sure whether that would come across as weird. So that was just a... Did uh, did Emily say out loud to anyone that you were on the spectrum? No. She didn't announce it to everybody? No. No? Um, I'm pretty sure uh, the guy you were having the appointment with, I'm pretty sure he knows. I'm pretty sure because when we initially set up the appointment with him, I'm the one that did all the talking on your behalf. He talked to me and everything was arranged through me. True. instead of through you. And I might have told him at some point. So I think he knew anyway. I think that's why he he doesn't mind like the non-chat putting his headphones in that kind of thing. I know I love that when he's like, "Can I put my headphones in?" And I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> but, do um, it." <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's a that was an interesting point that you brought up, uh, not as a as a thing, but that's one of the weird Asperger pros that I like. I like that, and I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but I know it's the same for me and you. I like that we can sit or I can sit um, for like hour hour and a half doing nothing just staring like if it's a room we've not been in yeah staring at everything on the walls looking at everything like i think i can sit and do that in a place i've not been to before for ages in like silence not talking to anyone yeah um it's like if i have to wait for something um and i've got to sit like outside on a wall do you know what i mean like yeah i I I feel like i can sit there for like 45 minutes for an hour doing 
doing just nothing, thinking. just thinking. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's definitely a an Asperger thing. Like with our thoughts in general, um, yeah. we can be very comfortable. Yeah, we can just occupy loads of time just thinking stuff. Yeah, like at one point when I was there, I did put headphones in and I started to listen to music. And then I think I had it for like 20 minutes and I was like, I can't do this. I was more comfortable having nothing than having something. Sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent then. I was just thinking about it. No, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, like, it's like when you're out and about. The only reason I put headphones in or music on when I'm out and about in town is because I'm trying to block out the sounds yes. of people Yeah. Um, and everything else. I'm not listening to music because I really, really like listening to music. Or I don't need to put... And I don't do it when I get home. So when I get into my flat and it's quiet, um, like at the moment right now, or recording this, we're in your flat. Yeah. Um, it's silent, but like... I imagine when you're here, because you're quite hidden back from like traffic, people, that kind of thing. Um, I imagine you don't really need anything. And there's some mornings where I don't need to. But yeah, that is a tangent. I'm just remembering that's like a a thing where we can go to, like you can just be with your thoughts. The only time that's a problem is when you try and go to bed and try and go to sleep. Thoughts are a thing. I mean, you don't have that problem. I don't have that problem. You just go out. But for yeah, me, thoughts in general. And there's a lot going on, um, like there is at the moment. Going to sleep sometimes at night is... I do have that problem when I have... You wake up in the night. So um, you do that where you'll just wake up. Your thoughts like just go, right, you've been asleep enough now. Get up. We need to think some stuff. (laughs) I feel like my body reacts to things more than my head though. So like, for example, with the changes we were going through recently, I was just being sick (laughs) quite a lot. I mean, my head was struggling too, but like I feel like... That's maybe a difference between us because sleeping for me is not usually an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so would you say that there was like any um, change, like not life changing, but w- were there any things um, or moments after getting diagnosed that really you found like the most helpful? Was there any like things that you remember being told that really helped you any techniques or any just like realizations you had anything Um, like that weirdly the techniques that i were taught don't work so um i was taught like you know like how like things like fidget cubes and the spiky balls and all the sensory stuff that i've given you yeah that you use that was my sensory stuff the reason you have it and i don't need it is because it doesn't work for me okay so even though I am sensory to a point. Um, I only know of, and then we mentioned in the sensory episode that I only have the negative stuff. So I know which things are sensory stuff has a negative reaction to me. Um, and I know to not go near them. Yeah. So like, you know I mean, like certain sounds, certain light, certain feelings, they're things that I know annoy me or upset me. So I know to avoid them and stay away from them. Whereas obviously before diagnosis, I wouldn't know to stay away from them. And I'd just be like, why am I getting so irritated? What is it? Um, whereas for you, the sensory stuff that calms you down, that's good for you. So you go to them. Yeah. So it's good that I know, but I don't need sensory stuff to calm me down. Sensory stuff to calm me down doesn't really work, but I know which sensory stuff doesn't calm me down. So I know not to go near them. So there's that, but that would be a technique I know of. So I know now that certain sounds bother me. So not to go near certain sounds, which I wouldn't have known before. So that's like techniques in its sense of avoidance is a technique for me so i know what to not go near and what not you know that kind of thing um i still find it hard to ignore thought processes so even though there's things i think about that i can't change so you know like we mentioned that like if something's already happened and there's nothing i can do about it i should just let it go um yeah i find it hard to do that 
I find it hard not to talk about the same things over and over again, even if they're irritating me. So there's things that do wind me up and I should just forget about them and not do it. But I'm also aware of the fact that I can't not think about it. And I guess the benefit to that is before I was diagnosed, there'd be things that bothered me that I couldn't do anything about that I'd constantly think about. Uh, And I'd be telling myself, don't think about them. Like, don't think about them. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. Just let it go. Think about something else. Distract yourself. But I couldn't. But the benefit of being diagnosed is I think about the same things over and over again still and no, I shouldn't. But also I'm aware of the fact that I don't need to. Yeah. You know, so like I'm also aware of the fact that because I'm on the spectrum, I can't help but think about them. So it's okay that I'm thinking about them, which is an odd one. So I think about the same stuff over and over again that winds me up. Um, But I also know that I can't help but do it. And that for some reason brings me some sort of comfort that I can't help it. Yeah. You know, so like, say, uh, for example, at work, someone's doing something and they've already done it. They've like done something that's really irritated me and it's too late now. It's happened in the past. I'd be like, just let it go. There's nothing you can do about it. It's happened. Stop thinking about it. And then I wouldn't stop thinking about it. And then I'd become really irritated with myself and be like, why am I so hung up on this? Yeah. Why can't I just move on? Why is this such a big deal? Whereas now... I think, oh, God, I'm thinking about this again. But then just think, it doesn't matter. I can't help it. And I know that in a couple of days' time, it will be replaced by something else. So just let it run its course, which is some weird, like, comfort to that. That was good. You know? So the stuff like that, where I'm aware of the things I can do and can't help. Um, But then telling myself, I know I can't help it. And I know I've got no control over it. And I know it's just one of my Asperger traits. Um, makes me feel okay and then telling myself let's face it like this isn't the first time you've done this this will soon be replaced by a new thought yeah Um, just makes me think oh yeah you're right and then I move on like there's loads of stuff that I thought about constantly that have like overpowered my day have been the thing I thought about all the time every day yeah and they just went I just wake up one day and it wouldn't be there anymore it would just be gone And it's the same with obsessions, like people on the spectrum that like are really into something, you know, and want to collect all of it and want it all and need everything of it. And then once it's complete, they just pretend like they don't care about it anymore and they move on to the next thing. It's just one of those things where you know it's going to happen. But like my therapist told me initially, you just got to be comfortable with that's what it is and it'll happen no matter what yeah and you don't need to think about why and you don't need to think about how to fix it you just need to know that it's a trait and it'll come and go if that makes any sense yeah and that that always makes me feel a bit better uh it's nice to know that it's nothing that i can do anything about which stops you trying to fix it you just know that you just carry on doing what you're doing carry on thinking these thoughts over and over again because they'll work themselves out and disappear anyway. Okay. Would you say that the reason you have so few meltdowns now then is more down to uh, knowing what triggers you and avoiding it rather than uh, like more, would you say it's more because you defend yourself rather than you uh, put actions in place Yeah, I think a lot of my meltdowns were caused... So initially my meltdowns were caused before diagnosis due to me being in situations I shouldn't have been in. Yeah. um, Or were exposing myself to things that were bad for me um, as someone on the spectrum. But they were such normal everyday stuff that everybody did 
that I didn't understand why they were such a big deal for me. So you don't avoid them. You know, like when people say, like, avoid smoking because it's, like, bad for your health. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like that. It was kind of like avoid going to, like, nightclubs on a Saturday night with everybody because you'll hate it and yeah. that kind of thing. You just think, well, everybody goes out on a Saturday night, so why would I avoid that, you know? Yeah. Um. It's kind of it's kind of like it's bad for you to go to these places, so don't go to them, you know, like this. Uh, and then since then, like, things like going out to nightclubs, I don't do. I haven't done. Um, yeah. Going to gigs, I know I can't do, so I don't do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And But during my diagnosis period, so that period where the transition from not knowing to knowing... My meltdowns were more frequent, I think, because I was fighting it too much. So I think like it was I was telling myself that I accepted that I was on the spectrum. But then I still believed I could do the things that I couldn't do. And that was worse because I was going out still and I was exposing myself to things that were bad for me, like the nightclubs and that kind of thing. But then when I got there, being aware of the fact that I'm sensitive to loads of noises and I'm sensitive to people barging into me. And do you know what I mean? all the people there and that kind of thing. And when you know you're on the spectrum and you know the things that are bad for you, you notice them more as they're happening. So beforehand, I'd be out in a nightclub, I'd be getting irritated, but didn't understand why. Yeah. Um. Whereas when you go out and you know you're on the spectrum and you're getting irritated in a nightclub, you just think, why am I getting irritated? And you just think, well, because the music's so loud. And then all you're thinking is, this music's loud, it's loud music. You just think, I'm getting irritated because these people keep barging into me and touching me because there's too many people in there. And then every time someone touches you, you're like, yeah, this isn't good for me. I don't like this. It's an Asperger yeah. thing. And everything becomes more like um, concentrated at that point. So there was that thing where my meltdowns were more frequent because I was still doing the things I was doing when I believed I was NT. But then remembering that I shouldn't be doing them because I'm actually autistic. And then as they were happening, the second they were happening, I was thinking, oh, yeah, this is bad for me because of this reason. Yeah. Um, so my meltdowns were more and more frequent. But then after that, once I started removing myself from these places, my meltdowns disappeared because yeah. I knew not to go. Yeah. And then... And I wasn't irritating myself. But my meltdowns were frequent during my like crossover period because I... We're still living the normal life, the same life I had before. But, but you were just more aware. But knew these yeah. things were bad for me, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, I suppose, yeah, it's like people that, like, uh, smoke, you know? Yeah. If you smoke and don't think it's going to do anything, it's easier to smoke than smoking. And every time you smoke, think, this is going to kill me. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I, I can relate to that because I don't think I had as many meltdowns before. But I think it would be because, like something would change and I would know that I was annoyed but I wouldn't know why and I wouldn't know it was the change so it would more for me be like a build-up of not really knowing what was wrong what was wrong and then all of a sudden an explosion of I don't know why I'm so upset but this is all coming out now whereas now I'm aware that the change is happening so while I'm like oh I don't like change I don't like change it just sort of comes out instead of me not knowing why I'm feeling agitated and irritated and then having a massive explosion after a while. It's more of a small but happening during sort of thing. So I, I, I get what you're saying there with just, I think it's an awareness. Yeah, yeah. And like once you're aware, you notice the stuff more. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's kind of... It's kind of a... It's mixed. Because like when you didn't know, being slightly ignorant to the fact that you're autistic made those situations you'd still have an effect but it's not as bad as knowing yeah 
because once you know it's it's worse but then once you're self-aware knowing and then keeping yourself away from the stuff that's not good for you makes things well easier so like i'd rather know that i am and then know how to make changes but if you know you are and then make no changes that's why there's a problem yeah you know like it's like when if you get a new job or if you go to school and uni it's why they have to make adjustments for you when you get there um because they know in the long run it'd be better even if you don't want to cause a fuss and like there's times when people have gone oh we can do this for you and we can do that and i think um no you don't need to that's fine uh but really they could just like the autism hour we're doing at work like i think fine you don't need to turn the music off and you don't need to dim the lights i work in this environment all the time however when they did the autism hour and turned the music off and the lights were dimmer like you notice it's better it's better uh but then the problem with that is once they turned the music back on more i'm aware of the fact that the music's there and it wasn't something i noticed before because i've always worked in it but then once they point it out it's the thing i'm focusing on that it's there and that was just for that day like obviously i've been at work since then and i haven't noticed it again but we're going to do it again this sunday and i'm sure the same effect the second the music came back on i was aware the music was back on um and that's the thing it's like um it's like you considering going back to uni. Yeah. Like, but they said that they can't make any adjustments for you until you're diagnosed. Yeah. Um, there's obviously the possibility now that you know that you're on the spectrum, that the things that bothered you before, you're going to be more aware of them because you know what they are. Yeah. You know what you're looking for. Um, so it's, guess, making your own adjustments while you can to make it better. Yeah. And I'm sure there's things you can do. You just need to figure out what they are. And that's the difference. I guess that's how you learn once you're diagnosed is you know what the things are so you know to stay away from them. Whereas um, before you're diagnosed or have no idea you're on the spectrum, you just find yourself getting worked up or, you know, anxious or stressed, but you're not sure why. Yeah. Uh, You're not, you can't pinpoint exactly what's causing it, but you know it must be something. Because nobody else around you is getting the same kind of level of worked up as you are. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, once you're diagnosed, it's it's keeping yourself out of it. But like I've said, uh, it is it is bad, I guess, when you know what it is that's going to bother you. Um, and you can tell people. Uh and I guess they can do stuff about it. Like, I mean, I told my work and they did like a risk assessment. But, uh, you know, people don't really, you don't mean like they do the things they do. So someone that's NT, that's your boss, that makes the changes at work or makes the changes wherever, they'll do them because they know that they're supposed to. But it's still really down to you to keep yourself from them. Like yeah. there are place things put in for me at work. But in all fairness, I still have to make sure that I'm aware of what's happening and keeping myself out of it because they don't fully understand. Um, And because, like I say, it's unique to everybody, they'll never really understand because they'll only go with the blanket stuff. Like this awareness sheet that they're given out at work for this autism hour, I read it and it only goes for the standard, you know, main points of it. But it doesn't go into the little stuff that bother others and bother like there's things that will cause you to have a meltdown that would never in a million years cause me to have a meltdown yeah I know. and they're like the fine differences so you need to teach yourself what your autism is and how it works uh, and i guess that's what this episode's about is once you know you are diagnosed or not you need to learn how it's unique to you yeah um because 
you need to get in there and sort things out for yourself. So yeah, I mean you're you're not diagnosed yet, but like you can make your own you know, make your own adjustments now. Yeah. I guess just once you get diagnosed I suppose you know a lot of it already because I've helped a lot with that. Like we've been doing this nearly a year now. I mean, yeah. we haven't doing the podcast a year, but me and you have been talking about your Asperger's since like end of November. So we're nearly at a year now uh, where we've been able to work out what your stuff is and you've learned a lot and you know what to do and what not to do. Yeah. Um, so I guess the diagnosis for you is just so you definitely know that you've definitely got it because you need that. But I don't think you need... The therapy I went through because I went through therapy blind. I didn't know why I was there or what I was after. Yeah. Whereas for you, you know, you can already make the adjustments. I can already help with that. So I think your diagnosis will be completely different to mine. You might need therapy, but for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well. Anything else you want to add to that? Any thoughts? No. It was more about about you. I'm sorry for the bits where I tangented. Well, that's all right. Like you had things. I mean, um, have you learnt loads since knowing or? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the main thing for me was just the understanding that it's okay that I don't really want to go out very often. And like, it's rare for me to want to hang out with people like but I didn't really get that before. So I'd think it was weird that like, you know, I've got two days off a week and if someone said, Oh, if you're off on Thursday, do you want to hang out? And I'd think it was weird that I was in my head. I'd go, no, that's what I only get two days off a week. So I need them to myself. And I used to think that was really bad of me. So I'd agree to hang out with them and it would cause me this stress of not wanting to thinking, trying to come up with a way to bail all of that stuff. So I think the main thing for me was just the accepting that it's okay that I don't want to like hang out with people. It's okay that I want to spend time by myself. Like that's fine. I think that was my main. Yeah. My main thing that I've learned. Yeah. You spend a lot of time. We spend less time thinking like what's wrong with me. Am I like a recluse? Like yeah. what's going to happen to me? You don't, that, those sort of thoughts about like, why am I not like everybody else? When you know why, it makes everything way easier. Yeah. Um, because you don't have to like blame yourself or judge yourself or like be like, God, what is wrong with me? Why, why can't I do these things? Why is everybody else enjoying like going to the cinema as a group and then a meal? And why am I dreading that? Why for me does that yeah. seem like more of a chore than actually like going to work or that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, and it's okay with that. Initially, yeah, you do think like this is wrong. And then you try and you try and do it more because you think if you do it more, you'll learn to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but Every time it's exactly the same. Every time you feel exactly the same way about it. It doesn't get easier. It doesn't get worse. It's the same. You just feel exactly the same way about it every time. Uh, and you, you start thinking like, why am I agreeing to this? But once you know, you just sort of go, no, I'm not coming to that. Even if you don't say to them, I'm not coming to that because of my Asperger's. Even if you just say, no, I'm all right. Even if they think, oh, Scarlet never comes out, it doesn't matter because you know in your head why you're not doing it. Yeah. And you don't need to explain it to everybody else. Like you're just more comfortable with yourself. So you're not sat at home thinking like, why didn't I go? Should I go? Should I tell them I'm coming? Should <laughs> I get changed and go out anyway? You just think I'm not going and that's fine. And I know why. Yeah. But yes, yes. yes. that is 
it for this week. Uh, we'll see what happens next week. I feel like I'm gonna we're gonna have to have like a topic off for next week. I think you should think of something. I'll think of something. <clears throat> and then before we record the episode, um We'll work out who's was the best. Yeah, we'll decide yeah. who's got the better idea. Interesting. Um which will be time because we've actually recorded this episode way earlier than we normally do. So we've got a while to think of that. Yeah. Uh, thanks everyone for listening thank again. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for posting in the group. It's yeah. really good to read it and read it to Nikki. Yeah, uh, there's loads of people talking on there. I get little things on my phone every day telling me someone's talking about something, yeah. uh, which is good. Our podcast is still getting loads of listens. Yeah, so thank great. you so much. Yeah, um, and like I say, you still find us on Them Asperger's on Facebook. This podcast mainly goes out on Anchor, but we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. I think we're on a lot of other things. That we... There's ones that I can't remember, like Overcast and things like that. All the podcast places. Yeah, I think them. we're on everything. Uh, I still haven't done the Instagram. Remind me to do the Instagram. Yes. I will do the Instagram. It's just... But cause... follow us on Facebook because Facebook is our main one. Yeah, that seems to be where everybody is. Main one. You can chat to us, ask us questions. Yeah. Messages through Facebook or you can post on the wall of the page or there is a private group on there as well. Um, which you can request to be added to. And there's loads of people on there talking about their experiences and things they know and that kind of thing. Uh, it's kind of taken off on its own, really. Everyone's talking to each other, which is nice. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. Bye.